0: Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Good morning. How are we doing? Apologies in advance. I'm a bit raspy. I've had a throat infection, but it was okay for Rod Stewart. I think I'll push on to (laughs) it. So um, Wayne was talking about harvests, and something just clicked. Something just went off in my mind. I remember this song from about thirty years ago. Do you remember a band called The Christians? Yeah, so. Okay, they had their famous song. I think they were a one-hit wonder, but they had a famous song on the radio. It was everywhere in the early '90s, and it went. When will there be a Harvest for the world. I don't sing like Rod Stewart, do I? <laughs> when will there be a harvest for the world? Do you remember that song? Yeah. yeah, it was fairly popular. Around that time, I was a student. This is the early 90s. And uh, I remember going with a friend of mine to one of those Christian union meetings. Do you remember Christian union in universities? And I definitely wasn't a believer looking back, but I was seeking. So my friend and I went to this Christian union meeting and uh, we sat through it. And afterwards, we went to speak to the leader. Now, the leader was a very trendy young guy, kind of an early 90s version of our youth leaders we see today. And we went up and had a chat with him. And my friend, uh, my mate, he was a kind of a forward um, kind of chap. And I want to do an impression of him because he, he asked the, the leader, the the guy a question and he said do you know that band the Christians do you know that song I mean are they Christian they must be Christian because that song they have out when will there be a harvest for the world you can't get more Christian than that can you and at that time I I wasn't a Christian but I thought yeah that's true you can't get more Christian than that his reply shook my world and changed everything. His simple reply sent a scud missile through my whole worldview and the universe imploded. He said this He said, I don't know if the Christians that band, I don't know if they're Christian, but that song, When Will There Be a Harvest for the World, that isn't very Christian. He said, it's too worldly. It's too worldly. I'd never, you see, I'd never heard the word worldly in the negative context. I was a write-on music and art student, and I was about to go off to India for a long time to become as worldly as I possibly could. The whole idea of being worldly, being negative, that that just um, disrupted everything for me. And he then went on to explain that the kind of harvest they're singing about in that song isn't the kind of harvest in the Bible. But they're too worldly. That's a negative thing. I've thought about that for years to come. And now, 30 years on, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I understand it. I get it. And I think we all have a sense that we are separate in some way. We're removed from the world. And it brings us to this question which we often ask. It's a very common uh, question I'm paraphrasing in Christian culture. And it's, how do we live in the world and not be of it? Have you ever asked that? You've asked that? Well, it's a concept clearly taught in the, uh, the Gospel of John and Paul's letters in the New Testament. So how do we live in the world and not be of it that's what I want to answer together in my sermon today and what what's the world i mean what kind of world are we talking about we all love god's creation we love nature we love hills forests walks in the country fishing apple pie chocolate truffle greg sausage rolls come on, come on. Sailing, fishing, did I say that? In fact, all these things we appreciate because they're a blessing to us. So is that the kind of world that we're removed from, that we're not of? Well, no. That's not the kind of world we're talking about here with this question. So let's look further. Um, the night before Jesus' crucifixion, he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed his famous prayer to his father, the disciples and he said this I am not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them away from the evil one they the disciples they are not of the world just as I am not of the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth just as you sent me into the world I also sent them into the world So whatever the world is here in this passage, Jesus wants us to live in it. We need protection in it from the evil one. And he says, they are not of the world. So we are already not of the world, like Jesus isn't. And this is because we are followers of Jesus. We are children of God. And we seem to get a very strong hint here on how to live in the world. Right here, to be sanctified by God's word, the truth. So sanctified means to be cleansed. It means to be set apart from. Uh, Imagine I've got four cups. I should have brought these up for props, you know, but I would have broken them, I promise, or done something. So imagine I've got four cups and I'm decorating the house. Three of the cups are to put my paintbrushes in, but one cup, this cup, is for my builder's tea. So I set that apart because I'm going to drink my tea in it. It's sanctified in the same way we're sanctified by God's word. We're set apart from the world and we're cleansed by it. Knowing the Bible, knowing God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit is knowing the truth. Like it says, verse 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So what exactly is the world he's talking about? What is this world that we're to live in but not be of? Well, in the Bible, the word world is used in three different ways, positively, neutrally, and negatively, and we're definitely talking about the negative use today. And the Greek word for world is cosmos. And it means a system with some kind of order to it. So the world is a system with an order. It's not chaos. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Because when we turn on the TV and read the newspaper, turn on our phone, the world looks like it's in complete mayhem. Don't you agree? Famines, earthquakes, war stabbings, people killing each other, pestilence. It looks like it's just imponderable random um, events colliding and it looks like an absolute chaotic mess. But the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says the world is an ordered system. And now we're going to see why. So John 14, 20, Jesus said, About to his disciples, I will not speak more with you. I will not speak much more with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in regard to me. So Satan is the ruler of this world, of this system we're talking about, which is ordered. He's the ruler, and that sounds surprising, doesn't it? But you see, the world is fallen. I mean, God has complete control and authority, but under that sovereignty of God, Satan is the ruler of this world. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, We've talked about before, Wayne has talked about um, in this series, that there were three heavens in the Bible. There's the first heaven, which is the atmosphere, the air. The second heaven is the stars, the galaxies. And the third heaven is God's dwelling place, God is omnipresent, but he dwells in the third heaven. And for now, Satan rules this first heaven. He's called in Scripture the ruler of the air. So Satan is the ruler of this world. We're to live in and not be of. And even more significantly, the world doesn't know God. So John 14, 16, 17 Again to his disciples, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So this is the Holy Spirit. And the world doesn't know him. In fact, throughout the Gospel of John, it makes it quite clear that the world doesn't know all three persons of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because of that, the world doesn't know us, believers. So we have a system. It's ruled by Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything good, our truth. And this system, this world doesn't know God and it doesn't know us, his children. The world is opposed to God. It's opposed to truth. It's anti-Christ, anti-believer, anti-truth and full of very clever deception to hide that fact. This deception has seeped into all aspects of society, into education, into politics, into art and culture. And part of that deception, I believe, is what Paul prophesied would happen in the end times, and we see happening right now, which is that good would become bad, yeah. and bad would become good. Do you see that happening? Yeah. Another part, aspect of this clever deception is something with a very intimidating name. It's called postmodernism. But don't be intimidated by it. Postmodernism is simply when you put inverted commas around everything. Truth, God, reality. That's all it really is. And out of this philosophy, which I think is um, prevailing throughout the world, throughout society, we hear people saying this. There is no truth. Yeah. Have you heard people say that? Yeah. There is no truth. That's what people say now. But think about it. If there is no truth, then that statement also isn't true. <laughs> you see where we're at. So um, 1 John two fifteen to 17. Let's learn from Scripture a little bit more about our true relationship with this world. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, these are the things in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but it's from the world. Can you see this separation? The world is passing away, and also its lusts are passing away, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. So John commands us not to love the world. He's not talking about the material world here. I think we know that now. He's talking about this system which opposes God and opposes truth. And it's the will of God... Well, sorry, I was going to ask you actually, what's the opposite of this system in verse 17? Can you see it? It's the will of God. So, the will of God is the opposite of the system. The world is passing away, it's going, it's going to be burned up. But the will of God lives forever, and we have in us the will of God, the will of the Father. And that's to know him through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The world is passing away. We live forever with the will of the Father that lives forever. Jesus wins. But wait a minute. If we look at the first part of the question. How do we live in the world? We are told to live in the world. We're not to love it. But we've got to live in it. Satan would like nothing better than for us to stay right here in this church, come along on a Sunday, and pray all together as Christians, and then go home to our Christian families, and then come on Wednesday or Thursday to our home groups, and just stay enclosed. He would love that. That's what Satan wants. But this is not the plan. Jesus has sent us out into the world. We're supposed to live in it and go out into it. So John 17, 18, praying to his father the same prayer the night before his crucifixion. Just as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. So we, his disciples, we're sent out to be salt, we're sent out to be light, to be an influence as believers of Christ, sharing one thing, the gospel of Jesus, that he died for our sins he was buried and he rose again on the third day. This is one Corinthians fifteen, verse three and four. We need to share that in all we do, all we think, all we say. So that's why we're sent out. So let's look at the second part of the question, not being of the world. And we see the world isn't it's not a material world. I think we understand that. It's not Greg sausage rolls, it's not apple pie, fudge cake, football, fishing. Those things can corrupt us <laughs> if they keep us away from God. But it's not those things. We're fully to enjoy all that God blesses us with in his creation. And an example of that is Jesus turned water into wine. Do you remember? And he probably drunk it. So we're not, um, we're not sort of hiding away from the world. That's not what we're to do. We're to enjoy God's blessings But Jesus has given us a solution already. It's to be sanctified in his word. Living by his word, in his word, as we walk through the world, is the way we're to live in this world. Sanctified, set apart from it. So there's always a division for us. And we have a world, a system, that opposes God, Jesus, and us. The world opposes us. The world out there opposes believers in Christ. So clearly what we have to do is we have to oppose that world which opposes us. Are you following me so far? Yeah. It feels like that was all a bit of a mouthful. I'll, I'm going to take a drink of water. In. So Paul spelt it out in Galatians 5.16-23. to 23 how we are to live in the world, how we are to oppose the world, and how we are separate from the world. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh, John called it the lusts of the flesh, the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're in opposition to each other. It says that, for they're in opposition to each other. I thought I said that as a commentary, but it's right there. In order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the, the, the lusts of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, is the world. It's nature of the world. And the Spirit is in us, and we, it opposes each other. Just get moving on here, 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident... Which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And things like these, which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, pace, patience. Can I start again? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Against such things there is no law. So all of these deeds of the flesh are the deeds of this world that opposes God. And this list isn't exhaustive. I mean, there are more. It says there are more like these. And all the workings of the world are fed by these deeds of the flesh. Look at Hollywood. It mirrors our world. And if you look at Hollywood films over the past, what we're talking, 70 years you'll see how the standards of morality in the films have got worse and worse as it mirrors the standards of society, as good becomes bad and bad becomes good, and you've seen it. But we, you see, we know Jesus. We believe he died for our sins. We believe that his blood that he shed covers us for our sins. And we know one day we are all Going to have to stand before Jesus and give an account. Not for our salvation, but for our rewards. So we're already a new creation in Christ, amen? amen? And because of that we reject these deeds of the flesh. We we reject them because we live by the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. So look, we already find that um, the question isn't quite right. This question we keep asking ourselves, is not correct really, is it? Because we're not of the world. It's quite clear that we're brought out of the world. We're sanctified, that we walk in the fruits of the Spirit. So we're actually not of the world. So what is it we mean? What's the question we're actually asking? Maybe it's this. How do we live in the world and not act worldly? Maybe that's what we should be asking. So uh, here's the answer, here's the application. Number one, flood our minds with thoughts of Christ. Can we repeat that? Can we shout it? Flood our minds with thoughts of Christ. The beginning of the Gospel of John says that God was the Word, the world became flesh in Jesus. We have our Bibles and we're blessed to have our Bibles and to be able to read it daily daily. But Jesus is the manifestation of that word. As we read the Bible, memorise it, learn it, follow it, do it, flood our minds with thoughts of Christ because it's all about Jesus. The Bible, God's word, is all about Christ. And by doing that, by being mind-centred in Jesus, mind-centred, exactly where the place where the battle is fought, you know, in the mind, if we're focusing on Christ... Then just knowing one day that we are all going to have to give an account before Jesus that helps us discern our truth, the truth we've been given by God against the counterfeit truth out there in the world. By knowing we're a new creation since coming to Christ, and praying to develop all of the fruits of the Spirit, the nine fruits. We know we can discern our truth given by God against that fake, counterfeit truth out there in the world. By discipling one another in God's word and our walk in the fruit of the Spirit, we discern our truth against the counterfeit truth of the world. And by praying through the Bible, through God's word each day, we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. So there are three things we've got to do. This is what we have to do. This is the answer to the question. How do we live in the world but not be of it? We flood our minds with thoughts of Christ. We grow in the fruit of the Spirit, and we walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We hear this phrase, it's a biblical phrase, walk in the fruit of the Spirit, a lot. And I just want to spell it out a bit more. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit means do it. Okay? That's that's what it means. Do it. Flood our minds with thoughts of Christ, grow in the fruit of the Spirit, and do them. That's the answer, because Paul clearly states that it's the fruit of the Spirit that opposes the deeds of this world. Do we understand that? The fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruits, oppose the lusts of the flesh, the deeds of this world. They are our weapon against it. So, uh, another drink of water. Cheers. Cheers. Walking in these nine fruits is very, very difficult. It's it's really difficult. We have to go through the cross each time we try and do it. And I fail. I struggle. Do we find it difficult? It involves seriously dying unto ourselves. So at work, you lose out on a promotion to someone with less experience than you. And uh, that's crushing, isn't it? especially if you've been preparing for this promotion, for for the interview, and you've been preparing for weeks and months, and you lose out to someone you know is not as good as you, and everyone else knows it too. What does the world say? The world says, you deserve that, that... They shouldn't be there. You need to fight. Go to the boss. You need to badmouth them. You know what? You need to look for opportunities to slander them. And if you keep looking, you will find that golden opportunity to trip them up. And you can be in. That's what the world says. What does the Spirit say? The Spirit says, hey, it's God's choice. Hey, you need to respect authority. Romans 13 Self control, gentleness. Ouch! It's painful, isn't it? Is it painful? Yeah. As that metaphorical nail goes through your metaphorical wrist into that metaphorical cross. It's a dying unto yourself, and I struggle. We all struggle. It's painful. At church, members of your team annoy you. Maybe they're not on task. Maybe you think, I'm right. Why aren't they listening? What does the world say? The world says, you gossip about them. Yeah, tell them. Tell them straight. I think the world says all kinds of things. He said, you you should feel sorry for yourself. Look, your egos hurt. They're they're much yeah, they're not as good as you. What does the spirit (laughs) say? The spirit says, (laughs) resign yourself. Gentleness, kindness, love. Be faithful. Maybe this one's easier. Someone runs into the back of your brand new car. Ouch. The world says, claim on your insurance. They were wrong. They did this, they did that. Now, you might have to claim on your insurance. It might be a legal thing. I don't know. But the Spirit says, what about their story? Do you care about their story? Yes, they went into the back of you. But say... 21-year-old girl. Her mother died the previous day. She was off to register her death. I mean, do you ever think? I I don't think, I'll be honest. No, you just think, my new car. Ouch, ouch, self-control and peace. That's what the Spirit says. A family member says they'll pay you back 500 pounds. Will they really pay you? You hardly have enough money to live off. The Spirit says patience and faithfulness. And this is one which might affect us all. You're persecuted because you follow and believe and talk about Jesus Christ. What does the world say to do when that happens? Oh, I need to call those Christian lawyers in London. What are they called, that Christian group? Well, maybe you do, I don't know. But the Holy Spirit says... Have joy in being persecuted for Jesus. Be joyful for being persecuted for Jesus. Ouch, ouch, ouch. It's not easy. Can the band come up, please? Have a done with the voice. (laughs) Right. Thank you for being patient with me. So the pastor and author, Rick Warren, summed up the attitude that we all need to take away from this about living in the world and not being of it. He said we should live in this world as foreign ambassadors of another world, not as local citizens. So we shouldn't be attached to it. We shouldn't love it. We need to oppose its values but we need to work constructively for Jesus in it. Amen? Amen. Are you an earth dweller? Do you live by the values of this world? Or are you taken out of this world by believing that Christ, Jesus Christ, died for your sins? The blood he shed on that cross covers you of your sins. He rose again on the third day. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. If you don't know Jesus, I wonder if the band could start with some keywords. If you don't know Jesus and you would like to know him, if you would like to come out of this world and walk with Jesus, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me now. The prayer doesn't save you from hell, but believing in the words in the prayer with your heart does. So if you say this prayer, and you believe it and say amen, please come to the front afterwards and speak to the pastors. Can we bow our heads? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. I know I have fallen short of your perfect standard, oh God. Have I ever lied? Have I ever stolen anything? Have I ever said your name in vain? Have I ever desired something someone else owns which is not mine? Have I ever worshipped anything or someone or anything which is not you? I have sinned, Lord, I have sinned. But I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And the blood that he shed now cleanses me of my sins, past, present and future. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He rose again, so one day we will rise also. Thank you, Lord. Amen.